Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, would it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. I almost said Sports Sunday last break. It's tough, man. That's why Jesse laughed at me when I when I broke last segment because I said on Football Sunday. <laughs> Because in my head I was like sports, 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 sports. I was and like, then, you just went European with your with your yeah. <laughs> football. Um, I just had to slowly say it to stop my brain from yelling sports at me to say that word. Um, but yeah, so we uh, still coming up this hour. We of course have our hate it or love it at ten thirty. That will be our competition segment between Rashad and I. As Jesse asks us questions and then rewards us with points or takes away our points depending on how he likes our answers. Uh, we also have the West Coast bias. Coming up at 10.15, we'll be focusing on the Seahawks, who we have coming up right after us here with the pregame at 11 o'clock. But Rashad and I kind of had this conversation before the show about whether or not we wanted to talk about this. And I was a little bit apprehensive about it just because the amount of times we've talked about this kind of stuff this year is kind of nauseating. And it's not to say that we shouldn't talk about it. It's just I'm tired of talking about it because it's just – it's. It just makes me sad. It makes me sad that we're in a situation where this stuff keeps happening. But we got a great text on the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305 last segment. And I wanted to give it its due time. And then I was like, you know what? Let's let's talk about the segment or let's talk about the situation next segment. And let's let's just get it out there because it, it does need to be talked about, even though we don't necessarily want to talk about it. And that is uh, Bob McNair's comments. He is the owner of the Houston Texans, and he was meeting with his team, right? It was the owner's player meetings about the National Anthem stuff, and he said to them, you can't have the inmates running the prison. Um. It was said during an owner's meeting that where that happened. And look, obviously what he was trying to say was you can't have the inmates running the asylum. That's the turn of the phrase. That's the phrase that people say when they don't want the employees making rules for the company, right? You can't have the inmates running the asylum. That's just, that's what the phrase is. However, him saying prison awoke a lot of feelings of anger from the players and from those of us on the outside, right? You can't say that. And it made you think, did he actually mean that? Did he mean to say prison and that's how he views the players or did he just mess up, right? That was kind of the first question. And the text we got on the Bridgeport Beers text line, just a little comment on old McNair. I've been alive for 42 years and I've never heard anyone say inmates running the prison. I've heard many people say asylum, never prison. The dude accidentally said how he really thinks ugly. And I thought that was a really interesting take. Um, 
Because when I first saw this, I didn't think that he just said it like that's what he truly meant. I just thought he messed up the phrase, right? I mean, for as someone who talks for a living, sometimes you just have a brain fart and you mess up what you're saying, right? Um, so I kind of, I could see that being the case. Um, but in kind of the environment we're in, it's kind of hard to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's hard to give an owner benefit of the doubt when you know that they feel a certain way about these protests and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard for me. This is hard. I feel like, I truly feel like it was an accidental thing, yet I feel like he shouldn't even be saying the actual phrase inmates running in the asylum because that just makes makes it sound like you're saying the players are just objects to you. No matter what you're saying, you're just, you're telling them, look, I don't care who you are. You get Make me money. Go be a football player, right? And no matter what, that's what he's trying. That's what he's saying when he says that, even if that's not what he was intending. <sighs> this thing is always a little more difficult to talk about because I understand not a lot of people really... There are a lot of people that have come to terms and are really willing to come to the table for the conversation about the injustice and, you know, kind of all those things. And then there's then there's the sum that they don't really want to hear the other side, don't really care to hear the other side, and they land on both sides, both black and white, Latino. You know, there's people from on every side that doesn't really want to have that conversation. Man, at a point, man, we got to start acknowledging right and wrong. Um, this whole thing, Kaepernick not having a job and and people feeling the way about, you know, the, the protest. I've still yet to hear any owner say why um, they're angry about the, the protest. They, it's disrespectful to the flag. And I, 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 I guess part of me gets that. You know what I'm saying? As somebody whose grandfather served in, in the armed forces and everything, like I totally, you know, understand. I'm not going to try to sway anybody on their beliefs, but this is not about the flag. And this has never been about the flag. The way we've, you know, the way we've talked about it on the show before is the flag is the way to get the, the message vehicle. out it's there. The, it's, it's the, the vehicle. It's the, it's the vehicle, you know, the flag. And, and uh, we keep talking about the disrespect, but up until a few years ago, nobody even came out for the national anthem. It was something that, you know, I believe they got money to, to, you know, promote the, you know, United States and, all those different things and be more patriotic and those things. So you didn't have to come out for the national anthems. Now it's a, it's become a spectacle. And this is, this is the a case of the shield not protecting its players. Jesse and I talked about this a little bit before we started the show. And the one thing we always hear from ownership and from, you know, general managers and all that protect the shield at all costs. That's what you do, right? You don't say anything or you don't do anything that's going to put the NFL in, in a bad light. But when has the shield protected the players ever? Like the, the one time president Trump came out and said that these guys are SOBs. Now all of a sudden, Oh, now we, we want to show togetherness and we want to show unity and solidarity. And that lasted for a week. And then everybody went back to normal. And we talked about that on the show. I said, if you actually want to say that you care about this, don't just make it a one week thing. Right. Yeah. And a majority of the players who, did it that week? Stopped. There are still a few who are doing it. The Seahawks, I want to say defensive line sat during the anthem last week. But, again, it's it's less about the anthem, and it's just more about making a stand for what they feel is right. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, Absolutely. And and the NFL has is in oh, – when have they been right? I mean, you've pumped painkillers and Soma down your players' throats for years. 
you know, uh, cortisone shots, and you cut people when, when they're hurting after after one or two bad games. You traded without warning, and you ignored concussions for so long, and you ignored domestic violence until it was put on film. Like, when have you been right in any of these things? Like, and and for for this to happen is it's for owners to still feel this way, and for people not to really get, especially considering the NFL is sixty eight percent black. That means more than half of your participants, more than half of your players are African American. That's not even counting the referees and trainers and some of those people that had then and uh, kind of have other positions within the NFL. It's just, it's a it's a bad look, and history is going to look at you terribly on, on this. And it's how about the, the Tampa Bay Lightning player was was fired, or was you know basically you know cut you know from Tampa Bay Lightning for raising his fist after the whole Trump thing. Anybody? I don't even think anybody's really talked about. That I didn't story. see that he got cut. No, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was cut. You know, go ahead and go. We're, we're, we'll be good without you. Now, whether he was that good or not, I can't. I'm not even gonna say because honestly, I don't know. I've I've never seen him play, but it was kind of odd that after he decided to raise his fist in protest, uh, that's not taking a knee or anything like that. He was he was let go of. Don't tell me there's not a problem. Don't tell me that well, that it's all good. Well, it's it so. Um, I, I want to say it was three weeks ago. Baltimore came out at home, um, announced on the the PA speaker for all of their fans, the the team as a whole is going to take a knee and pray for togetherness, basically, and they are going to stand for the national anthem. And they still got booed when they took their knee by their own fans. And that itself just proves it's not about the national anthem. You just don't want to see the protest. And that's a problem because you've been saying it's about the national anthem. Well, they, they didn't kneel during the national anthem and you're still booing. There's there's definitely more to it than what other, other people want to say. And it's... I. I like the fact that it, it kind of evolved that way where, okay, we're going to keep doing this protest, but we're, we're not going to do it during the anthem now. But it, and it just kind of showed the hypocrisy of everything of why ever, why everybody doesn't like these protests. No, you just don't like the protest because it's for some reason getting in the way of your football, even though football is not actually going on at the time. Yeah, so nobody's taking a knee during the game. It, like, you know, unless they're trying decided, to kill the clock and they're yeah, winning. Yeah, you know, like there's this one time trying to do that, trying to kill the clock. So nobody's taking a knee during the game. Everybody's upset about an anthem that nobody even watches. I mean, seriously, when you're in the bar and they start playing the national anthem, do you stand up and take your hat off and salute? No. You sit your ass down and you continue having your beer. And you talk during and it. And you talk through it. So are we? We're just as disrespectful of these players that we can't stand, right? So don't hit me with the hypocrisy. Like, I understand, but at the same time, I don't. I, we just got a text that said, man, you're, you're at work. I get it. Do it on your own time. Like, I, I, I guess I, if that's how you feel, then cool. But the point of a protest is, man, you got to be willing to take an L for it. And you look at some of the people that Ka Kaepernick has taken the biggest L for this protest. I, I personally love the, the person that comes out and says, oh, well, what do these guys have to protest? They have all this money, this and that, and fame. And I'm like... So even if they have money and more means than uh, other African Americans, does that mean that they shouldn't stand up no, and still voice? The 1%. And they've also that? still had things happen to them throughout their lives that they are protesting. It doesn't matter how much money they have. Ask Michael Bennett if the fact that he was rich kept him from getting guns pointed at him and a, and a knee in his back. Probably not. That's what they're protesting. That's I think the one big thing, and we got a break, but the one big thing here, and I actually saw this yesterday on like Twitter, someone was having a conversation about this and 
told them about Nate Boyer, and the guy had never heard of Nate Boyer before. So if you remember, I like to bring this up because it's just a good reminder. Colin Kaepernick, in a preseason game last year, sat during the anthem. There was uproar. He went to former Seattle Seahawk and Green Beret, Nate Boyer. He was the long snapper for the Seahawks and said, what, what can I do that is still respectful to the flag and the anthem in your mind and in your military buddies' minds that still gets my point across of what I want to do? And he said, take a knee. Taking a knee is respectful. And now it's been twisted completely. Just remember, people out there, and if you don't know, it's, it's good to know, a Green Beret told them to take a knee. That's it. A very high-level military person who should be getting more respect than any most other people out there said that. It, it's that simple. Likening it to the half-mast. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean it, that's it. I, I just want to say that because the fact that that person didn't even know that that was a thing, and that's been a huge talking point, is part of the problem with this. Is people, There's not all the information out there. That's all. All right. Back to actual football. Coming up next is the West Coast Bias. And we will discuss the Seahawks, who have actually turned into a good team again. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had an ear in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1019 here on Football Sunday. We got Hater Lovett coming up next segment. Watching the red zone on the TV right now. Jets already about to be up if this field goal goes through, and it does not. Still up 7-0 on the Falcons. Man. The Falcons are not good under Steve Sarkeesian. Let me tell you, Sark, Sark is their offensive coordinator right now. And I don't know if you've watched a lot of their football this year. They're bad offensively. And that's stupid because they have amazing players on offense. Who are we talking about? Sark and the Falcons. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not good. Is anybody super surprised? Yes. I'm as surprised as, po- as I can possibly be. Jesse's freaking out because Melvin Gordon just ran for like a 90-yard touchdown pass. Don't take the Patriots defense. <laughs> <laughs> Tells you hopefully you listened to us and did not touch that defense today. Dude, that was a gigantic run. That was that might have been his longest run of his career right there. Probably that was just huge. The Patriots, so probably so. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. He got really tired at the end of the run, too. Oh, yeah, he did. He, was, he, he almost didn't make it. Almost. That that was like a 90-yard touchdown. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you. That, all, that's like... All the points for you, Jesse. Yeah, no, that I get like plus two extra bonus points for it being such a long touchdown run. Like, that's, that's a lot of points right there. All right. Seahawks are not playing their best football as of yet. It's kind of become a trend, if you've noticed, by the way. The Seahawks never start as well as they finish. They always finish really strong. But right now, they're in second place. In their own division, NFC West, behind the Rams, who are 5-2. and two. But we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago about how the Seahawks' defense didn't look right. It wasn't playing as well. Oh, well, if you look right now, they're allowing the fewest points per game in the NFL, 15.7 points per game allowed on defense, tied with the Jaguars, by the way. Great defense. Um, they are allowing the fourth – or they've allowed the fourth fewest yards, and they are allowing the eighth fewest yards per game so far. So they're still a really good defense, despite all the injuries they've had on the defensive line, despite the age of their 
of their uh, cornerbacks. And it's been working just just fine. And as you've seen the last two weeks, the Seattle offense starting to pick it up a little bit. Russell Wilson looks more like himself. The running game is working a little bit more as they're mixing in a couple of different running backs. Paul Richardson stepping up. Tyler Lockett is stepping up. Jimmy Graham is stepping up. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I know four and two is still good, but we weren't talking about the Seahawks like they were going to be a good team. All of a sudden, they might be right back into the thick of things in the NFC West. And it's amazing how quickly it changes with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the the teams that they played and the wins that they have, and I'm like, yeah, you should you should probably beat them. You should beat the 49ers. I think you should beat the Colts, and you beat the Colts pretty bad. Um, struggle with the Rams a little bit, but I think we all kind of agree the Rams may be the best team in the NFC West. So you have that, and then you beat the Giants, who I don't know if have won a game yet. Have they? Yeah, they did. The Giants have, or they, they beat the Broncos. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> so the Giants are what one in one in five at this point. Uh, they are two currently and five? one and six. One and six. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've beaten all the teams that you probably should beat. I think this Texans team is the best team you've played since you've played the Packers. And so you hope that this is exactly uh, the Seahawks team that you're used to seeing. It looks like the defense is kind of back to being elite, you know, last three games allowing 18, 10, and 17. So you're looking at a total of what? 35 points that you've given up over the past three games, but you've also played the Giants without Odell Beckham Jr., the Rams that are still really trying to figure out what their identity is, and the Colts who don't have anybody, old Frank Gore, Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck is on the sideline with the clipboard. Like, I mean, so who have you really beaten at this point? You took the L to Tennessee and Marcus Mariota in a, in a pretty good, in an okay defense. Not a great defense, but an okay defense. What are you going to do today against the Texans? You have the the opportunity to have home field against a quarterback who has just been on fire over the past few weeks in Deshaun Watson, uh, but a defense that's without J.J. Watt and probably, from the looks of it, probably going to be without him for a while, probably. But um, I don't know. I don't know if they're back yet. I think this game will kind of tell me a lot as far as how they handle – um, this defense and really how the defense handles the offense that the Texans bring. Because I think that's the one thing we can kind of keep glossing over. Now, while I don't want to start Deshaun Watson today, I recognize that this kid is still really good right now. And he's been on uh, on fire. And guys like Will Fuller have come out to play. And you're looking at a team that's legit in this in that AFC South and could really make some things happen. So I don't know. This game is going to tell me a whole lot as far as where the Seahawks stand today. I think that's a good point. And that's one thing that's kind of easy to forget is just looking at the schedule in general. Um, you're right. Uh, they've the best offense they've played thus far this year is the Packers and they lost 17 to nine week one, but that's week one, you know, things change. You beat the Niners only give up nine points, lose to the Titans who blew you out. Well, scored a lot of points on you. Didn't blow you out, but scored 33 points. Colts, Rams, giants Rams offense has been good, but not electric all the time. So you're right. Now you got the Texans Redskins back to back weeks. Those are good offenses coming coming in to both of them are at home, luckily, but coming into town. And uh that I think you're right. I think this week's gonna be a true kind of proving point of whether or not it all looks as good as it has the last few weeks. Because yeah. I do think the Texans are that good. I think the Texans with Deshaun Watson have looked electric. And they've got Lamar Miller in the backfield with the young guy, Dante Foreman. They've got Good receivers on the outside. They're a good team. 
And their defense isn't half bad either, even though they're they're dealing with some injuries. So mm -hmm. you, I think you're right. This is going to be a really big test for them. Actually, this next couple of weeks, like you said, they have Washington next week, uh, but that's also at home. And then you have the Cardinals and the Falcons and 49ers, three teams that are really still trying to figure out who they are. The Falcons are still having some Super Bowl hangover uh, issues. And like you said, uh, a new offensive coordinator, which hasn't been great for them. The one team that they have that it looked like it could looks like it could be a, a great matchup and could really determine a lot in the NFC is their matchup against the Eagles, and that's December third. And so it looks like they have a great opportunity to move forward with a lot of wins on their on their schedule. But I think these two weeks between uh, Washington and Houston are going to tell us a lot as far as where the Seahawks really are. All right, uh, coming up next, we have our hit it or love it segment. We do it every single week at this time. As uh, Falcons just scored a touchdown to tie the game. Can't tell who they threw the ball to there. That's oh, Austin Hooper, the Hooper, tight end. Yeah. He looks pretty good. Um, yeah, so uh, Hater Love, it's coming up next. We will do it. Uh, we do it every single week at this time. Jesse will ask us some questions, and we will both compete for the answers and see how many points we get. The winner gets to host the last segment. So that is next. But first, Jesse has SportsCenter. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hated or love it time here on Football Sunday. I just wanted to bring this up because Jesse reminded me in the break and it is a great football stat. Dieter sent us this on the on the, the tweets, the Good Twitters. Hi, Dieter. I mean, he might be listening. He's on a beer run. He texted us. He's always on a beer run. Of course he is. He's Dieter. Um, this is a crazy stat. So remember when the Bears beat the Panthers, what was it, two weeks ago now? 17-3, mm -hmm. even though Mitch Trubisky only went four for seven passing the ball. It was the first time a team had thrown fewer than 10 passes in a game since 2011 when Tim Tebow went two for eight in a win over the Chiefs. Denver's coach in that game, John Fox, currently the Bears coach. It was the first time a team had thrown seven or fewer passes in a game since 2006 when the Panthers beat the Falcons 10 to three. Chris Wanky that game, four for seven, 32 yards. Carolina's coach, John Fox. He's won all three of the games when his quarterback has thrown for eight or fewer passes since 2006. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I love that stat. That's yeah. Awesome. Good luck, Dieter. I mean, for, for a guy that's always drunk, you sure do know your stuff, bro. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'll kick just, with you any day. It's one of those things where, you know, John Fox definitely has a place in this league as a coach. He's, he's one of those guys that's willing to change his scheme change what he's doing as a whole as a as an entire team he'll take a, a 180 in the middle of the season uh if he thinks it's going to correct the ship it just doesn't have the top end talent to you know get the the super bowl w but boy that like man he's he's made chicago a competitive team for the last three years like way more competitive than they have any business being it's, it's kind of crazy that you can win a game and not pass for 100 yards and now apparently the oregon ducks are taking some <laughs> game cues from the from john fox and the chicago bears all right so jesse it's time for hater love it why don't you get us started all right uh i brought this up earlier um off air uh the, the seattle seahawks are rumored via the nfl network to be involved in a possible star player on their roster being on the trade block that star player being jimmy graham 
Love or hate? Before the trade line or trade deadline or by the trade deadline, I should say, Jimmy Graham will be traded. I'm starting this week, right? You won last week, Rashad? I, I think he so. did. Um, this is hard for me, dude, because... Yes, give it to Gronk. Yes, touchdown. And, and Ian Rapport did tweet earlier, could Jimmy Graham fly home with the Texans? Hmm. That was a, an Ian Rapoport tweet, so just well, throw that out there. Rapoport tends to be wrong a lot, so yeah. let's, let's like see what happens. Uh-oh. But I, this is this is interesting to me because... It's really hard to make trades in the NFL that have any value for the returning team. If you're trading a player, you're only going to get a late round draft pick back. That seems to be the case uh, with almost everything. And Jimmy Graham, though, the last few weeks has been pretty good. He's had some touchdowns on the last week. He had two of the worst drops I've ever seen in my life um, on like an easy touchdown pass and a deep wide open play. It was, it was insane how he dropped those passes. But I will say... Love. I think they will trade uh, Jimmy Graham because he just hasn't meshed with the team. His skill set doesn't work with the team. He's one of the worst blocking tight ends in the NFL, if not the worst, and he has been since he started his career. The Seattle Seahawks need offensive line help. They don't need a tight end who can't block and is only going to be good for running routes. Now, he has given them a good option in the red zone. Um a tall target who can catch the pass if he's paying attention. But they have another good tight end, Luke Wilson, who has been having a great relationship with Russell Wilson over the last few years. And they're kind of getting an emergence finally from their two other receivers and Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. You noticed last week, even though he didn't catch a touchdown, they targeted Lockett a lot in the end zone and he came close a couple of times. Um, so I think they're starting to finally find these guys on the outside who are going to be weapons. And they don't really need Jimmy Graham to be a negative, even if there's a small positive to him. So love, I think they will trade him. Uh, yeah, I, I love that Jimmy Graham uh, will be traded. Um, he just hasn't meshed. And we talked, I talked a little earlier about how Max Unger and really um, his role on the Seahawks team and really the team hasn't been the same since he's been gone. Um, but then again, Jimmy Graham hasn't been the same since he's been here. He played 11 games his first season with the Seahawks. And, he, uh, and since then he caught, uh, he's caught in 73 passes his first year, 95, or he's gotten targets, excuse me, uh, 73, 95 41 that's down from the 144 121 that he was getting from drew Brees. he was a high volume guy when he was playing in new orleans and right now he's trying to figure out exactly what his role is in seattle is he going to be a no he can't block very well so because of that russell wilson's not able to run that play action very well so that's a problem for him he kind of wants to be a wide receiver and at points he's better suited at being that wide out spot because he's so much bigger than everybody else but Jimmy Graham is just kind of one of those guys who is who he is. And some games he's going to be there, other games he's not. And I think it's in Seattle's best interest to try to get something for him now. I'm actually surprised both of you guys said love on that one. It's hard to make trades in the NFL, but... It almost never happens. Yeah, he right. just doesn't fit. It, it's it's true. That's, that's a very true statement there. He, he has not fit since he's been there. Well, you know, we brought this team up on this segment many a times and they almost seem to always have let us down in the past but you know it's maybe that corner has been turned this season now they've even made a bigger move jacksonville jaguars traded for uh pro bowler defensive tackle marcel darius from the buffalo bills adding to that ridiculously filthy defense down there in jacksonville love hate Jags are a true 
Super Bowl contender. Hate. Hate. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars will never be a true Super Bowl contender as long as they have Blake Bortles as their quarterback. It's just that simple. Their defense is insane. You are correct. That's what being bad for 10 straight years will do. Getting a lot of high draft picks, getting a lot of high-rated defensive players will finally work out and give you a really good defense. However, those draft picks outside of Leonard Fournette so far, and I, I will admit, I was wrong. I thought Fournette was going to suck. He's been great so far. Um, have been awful. Blake Bortles hasn't worked out. All of the receivers you've brought in have not worked out for the most part. Uh, remember Marquise Lee and Justin Blackman and all these guys that have not turned out to be good receivers? Um, they need an offense, and they don't have one. So their defense can do enough, but it's not going to be that good and uh, good enough to save that offense from doing anything important. So they played well. I like their defense a lot, but there's no way in hell they're going to be a Super Bowl contender if Blake Bortles is their quarterback. It's just that simple. I'm sorry. And I do like Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin leading that team there as a as a guy guys who can try to kind of solidify it. It's been kind of all over the place the last few years, but um, I, I it's not there yet. But hey, we've predicted the Jaguars to be good for a couple of years in a row. Finally, it seems to be happening. At least uh, this year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no, I mean, come on, man. They, they've had some. They've had some impressive outings. Hey, hey, so, hey, yeah, hey, hey, had, hey, hey, hey. They, and this is what I say: uh, <laughs> Jacksonville, they're not the laughing stock they used to be. And usually, when we're talking about teams uh, having an upswing, um, they've usually been beating bad teams and losing to the good ones. Jacksonville is kind of different because they're losing the good to bad teams and beating the good ones. So they beat the Texans. They beat the. Ravens-ish. Uh, they beat the Steelers, you know, and they when they beat the Steelers, they stomped the Steelers out like thirty to nine. So we, there was there is some proof there that Jacksonville is very good. But you're still talking about an AFC who still houses that same Steelers team, who has the Texans team that's on the uprise, who also still has the defending champion New England Patriots, who looks like they're starting to kind of figure out at this time. Uh, also has the the the, um, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have quietly become uh, the probably that's best or second best team team in the AFC right now. So. I'm just looking at that saying there are just too many barriers for you right now to get to the next level. I think they can make it to a playoff game, possibly even win a playoff game, but I think that's about as far as it goes. Every year there's a team that kind of comes from the from the dirt to rise to the top of the mountain, and uh, maybe this is the year that Jacksonville takes that step forward that we're all looking for. I will say that, you know, I – I, I don't think they are by any means the team that should be bet on to make the Super Bowl. I've seen crazier things. I'll just put that out there. I've seen crazier things that, that I, I think. I haven't heard many crazier things, though, Jesse. I, Jaguars. I, I, I know it's the Jaguars. I'm I just mean, saying. You didn't say the Chargers. I, I mean. I, 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 there are two things I think that are, if you don't have a quarterback, if you can do these two things, you have a chance, and that is play elite defense. And obviously, Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the top five defenses right now in the NFL. And if you can run the ball, and by God, even if they can't run the ball, they end up running the ball by the end of the game. And I love that. And that is a recipe for a championship when you're committed to the run. So I'm not saying they're Super Bowl. Could, they are the guys to beat, but I actually honestly believe that they could very well. I mean, it's it's outside, you know, it. They are it's above possible. 500 right now. I, I think it's, I, I think they, it, once again, going down to as much as you want to bring up guys like the Steelers and the Patriots and the Chiefs and everything, they all have their weaknesses. The AFC isn't as stacked as it seems. Um, it's a possibility. Okay, moving on. By the way, Rashad has a 
pretty sizable lead right now. Just saying that. You need a you really? need a good third round. Yes. I did not hear a lot of points in my favor in that last question. No, no, didn't didn't go too much in your, Doing your really favor well there. over here today. Yeah. So yeah, you're up by three points, Rashad. That means you need a four point swing in this final. Oh, that's not gonna happen. Uh, well, I don't know. I've hey man, I've I've seen you come out firing. And I've just been pushing the buttons. You know, we'll see. <laughs> or maybe a baseball question right now. Maybe Rashad says something about his his team out of nowhere, even though this this question has nothing about to do with Donnie the Patriots. Lewis, his yeah. running back. He'll be like, uh, oh, you know his that uh, his name is Danny, <laughs> that Amendola right. Danny guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the NFC is. Um, Got some, got some good teams in it, you know. But the problem is, is the, I think the team to beat that was kind of the consensus team to beat in the um, Green Bay Packers is no longer the team to beat considering Aaron Rodgers went down, broken collarbone, not expected back before week 16, if he even makes it back by week 16. Did you see that they're trying to make that seem like he might be back sooner? It's like he broke his collarbone. Guys. Yeah, and he had surgery. Like, the, he's not coming back. So... With, with that being said, the Green Bay Packers, are, I don't think, are the team to beat in the NFC now. However, there may be another team in that division that is. The Vikings have been insane. I've told you earlier today that they took an, another step with that offense. The offense is good. The defense is good. Love or hate, the Vikings are the team to beat in the NFC. Right now, I'm going to say hate because I think the team to beat in the NFC is the Philadelphia Eagles because Carson Wentz is playing absolutely out of his mind football. And the big thing for me about the difference here is the quarterback position is still a big question mark for the Vikings. Now, I know the offense has played well with Case Keenum there backing up Sam Bradford. I know you might see Teddy Bridgewater. I know Sam Bradford might come back healthy and change that. But I trust Carson Wentz right now. Carson Wentz is playing... Some of the best football I've seen from a young quarterback in a long time in these last few weeks. He is electric in the pocket. He's using his legs, which I didn't even know he really had to extend plays. He's reawakening the career of two receivers who had gone away in Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. And he has Zach Ertz, who has, is a great tight end to help him. Uh, the running game isn't very good, and they're still winning with it. Their defense isn't elite, and they're still winning because Carson Wentz is that good. I have a big sports pants tight man crush on Carson Wentz and the Eagles right now. And I don't on the Vikings. The Vikings defense is great. I like McKinnon a lot, but I don't like Latavius Murray and I don't love their offensive line. So I'm a little bit more down on them than I am on the Eagles. Uh, I'm just yeah, going to go ahead and say you've already won. I hate the, <laughs> no, the no, I'm just saying you're tied currently. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. Uh, well, um, Man, I, I I hate it as well. I hate that they not they're not the team to beat. Um, I, I look at the at the schedule for the Vikings and I'm seeing a win against the Saints, a win against the Bears, the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, the Ravens and the Browns. Those aren't necessarily you know teams that are at the top of the mountain. So they're beating teams, but they're losing to the Lions who know how to move the football. They're losing to the Steelers who are probably the team that people have picked to win uh to win the AFC uh, at the, at this point. You know, so I'm. I don't really think that they're they have enough, and we keep waiting for the shoe to drop with. Uh, stop, stop! Other, He's already dead. I'm just <laughs> we're just <laughs> waiting for uh, the other shoe to drop with Case Keenum. I think we know that he's been playing well, but I still think there's this overall like, uh, is he really the guy you want moving forward? We know he's your backup. Um, 
we know that they have some really great pieces in Minnesota. They know, you know, we have they have a really good defense, but we know that Teddy Bridgewater is eventually going to be the guy that kind of comes through for them. So I don't think they're going to be the team. And like Lynch said, I think it's the Eagles all the way at this point. They have a little bit of that Dallas Cowboys vibe that they had from last year. Because when they step on the field, you kind of know that you don't really have a chance. And most of it's coming from their young quarterback, Carson Wentz. I like that guy. All right, Rashad. Congratulations. Woo! Yeah, Rashad's the, who was that, two-time champion now? Yeah, two in a row. Back to back. Bam. Back, back to, to back. back. All right. Well, you get to choose the last segment's topic. Uh, let's, uh, sports. Sports. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> sports is next here on Football Sunday on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. No, I won't give in until I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. 9.49. 10.49. 10.49. All righty. Learned how to read the clock. I couldn't see it. I was looking at the wrong number. It's 10.49. <laughs> Looks like the Falcons are driving against the Jets. That is N- correct. Well, I mean, they're getting stalled. Tevin Coleman, no, no yard rush. Thank you. Do you have? No, I'm facing Tevin Coleman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. I'm, I haven't even looked at my score right now. I don't want to. I just, I have a really thing about, I don't look at my score until like Monday. Well, that's weird. I don't want to I got to follow it. Like, I got to know what I need. I want to know, fam. I bounce back and forth constantly. It's no, all day. I think that's all how, day, that's, that's how anxiety arises. If things, if things get a little bit too close or I honestly think I'm not going to win, I typically turn it off and that's when good things happen. So, oh, I do that with the Patriots game yeah. all the time. Like I hate having friends over to watch the game because then I have to like watch through a game. Like I just can't watch. Like if my team is getting smacked or they're playing terribly, I'm turning the channel. I have to watch something else. When are the Patriots getting smacked? Oh, sh- Quite off the Super Bowl, I was trying to turn the channel so many times, and I just had to go outside and take a take a smoke break or a drink break or any type of break just to get away from the TV. So I do that quite often. I just I have a lot of fun following my fantasy team while watching. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about this a lot before on various shows, but you know the product in the NFL has been iffy a little bit the last few years. Now. It, Iffy early, I should say. It tends to always get better about midway through the season as the teams get fully into the swing of things. But there's ugly games. I mean, hell, what was it, like 9-6 to six last week between the Titans and the Browns? Like, ugh, what a disgusting product that was. Yeah. But I had DeMarco Murray on my team. So guess who was watching that game with a lot of interest? Me. So it's like it saves a lot of the bad NFL stuff because you, you care about your players and your team. And it kind of also lets you know about some of the young guys who are getting better. Like, I, I didn't know this, but... The guy I'm playing is starting some guy named Deontay Thompson on the Bills, yeah. who had over 100 yards receiving 107 last yards on four catches last week. Um, I didn't know about him, but now I do because of fantasy football, right? <laughs> like that's a, it's, a, it's a big help. Hey, I got a question for you. This is super unrelated. Well, it's about football, so I guess it's not so unrelated. Super. Friday night's game between Tigard and Tualatin. Yep. What time did you get out of here? Me? Or did you have to stay for no. that whole game? No, that okay. wasn't our game. That, okay. our, we had Lake Ridge Lake go on Friday. Did yeah. Will have to stay for that? No, no. Because Will had a show yesterday morning. We we told Will he could uh, he could go home. <laughs> wow. So if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Friday night, Tigard versus Tualatin. I think it was supposed to be at uh, Tigard High School. It was at Tigard High School, And yes. all of a sudden, they just lost power. You know, like a couple minutes through the first quarter and just lost power. They were talking to playing the game at like 12 o'clock at night. 
which on the one hand would have been badass to have like a midnight high school football game or any football game played at midnight for that matter. That would have been super dope. Like, I think I might have went to that game. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have. I think, I, no, seriously, I think I, I didn't have you much would- to do on Friday night, so I think I might have went to that game. I mean, you were at. You were at a game. You were at Grant, right? I was at Grant Madison. Uh, you would have dri- driven all the way out to Tiger just to go to a midnight football game? I mean, how often do we get to say we went to a midnight football game? <laughs> you know? Like, honestly. Like, I mean, that sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime type of type of thing, you know, especially for high school here in Portland. So, pff, why not? So, what, what, what wound up happening was the power went out, and they said they weren't going to be able to restore it until about 1130 at night. The OSAA told them they had to play the game because there's something with their computer system where it goes in at like 7 a.m. or it something. It wouldn't like have that. been allowed to like they would it would have screwed both of the teams, Tualatin and Tigard, if they didn't play. And what they decided on was they moved the game from Tigard to Tualatin. And they actually made the move pretty quick. The game started again at like 9.05 and they moved it in like within an hour. I didn't think that was going to be possible. I thought that an hour would have been like the minimum just to get people from Tiger to Tualatin on the buses and the teams and stuff. But no, the game got underway and it, it got done. But I got to say that that's pretty lame of the OSAA if they're going to go ahead and be like, uh, you can't move the yeah, you make can't, the kids who've been at school all day play at midnight. Like, right. really, that was an option for you guys. Like, like you can't just pause the computer system. I mean, as cool as it sounds, to play at midnight. System? It was like you that was that was what you were going to do. Say yeah. that they had to play at midnight because you couldn't. Like, I can't on, imagine man. the traffic jam of all the people that are trying to get from Tiger to Tualatin. They're not too far away from each other, but no. it's not like it's a, a lot of like they're they're small roads in between that. Especially uh, Tualatin's on a little two lane country road, tiny little road. So you. Every time you're trying to get in Twalton, like especially around game time, it, it's really congested in there. So for that to happen in an hour, I imagine there were still just tons of people that were trying to fill into that game. For well, that's, that's what Will had said. So Will was the one covering that game for us, and he said he was stuck in loads of traffic just trying to get out of Tigard High School. And he had the show yesterday morning, and I was talking to Saga, and I was like, we don't know when this game's going to start. Do you bail, really, bail. Do you really want him to like go to Twalton and then – and I was like, no. So he went home. We called him once, and he told us what was happening. He was following the game on Twitter. But like, that's not – you don't need to go to 12 for right. a 10 p.m. kick or whatever it would have been. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Coming up next, pregame for Seahawks-Texans, which looks like a very, very good game today. And as we said, it's going to be kind of a test for the Seahawks as they play a good offense for the first time in a few weeks as they've looked good against some bad offenses. Uh, next week – once again, we will be on from 9 to 11 a.m. The week after that, looks like again, we will be on from 9 to 11, as that is also a 105 start. Then the week after that, we will likely be on 8 to 9.30, as we've got a, uh, looks like a Thursday night game against the Cardinals. So a couple more 9 to 11s coming up for you here uh, the next few weeks, as we will always lead you into the Seahawks game, depending on when the game is, and we will let you know otherwise. Uh, if that is not the case. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for texting at the Bridgeport Beers text line. You can find us on Twitter at 1080 the fan at Mike Lynch, 27 at TaylorMade 503 is Rashad and Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Of course, the show will be podcasted as well on the Les Schwab tires podcast, which you can find on the 1080 the fan app and on 1080 the fan.com. Thanks for all the comments today. Good luck in your fantasy matchups. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll see you guys next week. Nine to 11.